Was that our uh, our vocal warm up? <laughs> Bran. It's the first thing I do every morning. Bran. Bran. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So, welcome to the podcast nobody asked for. Is that is that aggressive, uplifting enough, or or do we introduce it in a different way? No, you you really channeled like a trailer voiceover kind of guy there. I like it. I like it. Well, I like it. No, because yeah, we'll, we'll we'll stick with that one. So, with me, Ian Harris, and me, Graham Jones, and this week we are talking about kids' TV shows that need an R-rated movie. A title I feel like we should explain immediately. Yeah, I think so. And also, if you thought the Muppets episode got weird, I mean, I don't. Things things are taking an interesting direction in 2021. We'll just say that. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a weird episode with me just accurately talking through the plot of some of these TV shows because it turns out kids TV shows are fucking strange. Yep. I, I was very very close to arguing for a David Cronenberg cat dog but decided against it at the last minute. <laughs> it's anything... I mean, Red and Stimpy could have been an R-rated movie anyway, with very... If anything, you had to tone it down. Yeah, I... I'm still not sure it's a kid's TV show. It was definitely on my, like, shortlist, and I just felt it was maybe a bit too easy. <laughs> a bit too obvious. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Ren and Stimpy, okay, next choice. Yeah, we'll we'll just do it Ren and Stimpy. So, the idea is obviously there's a lot of kids TV shows out there and we want to go through our top 3 films that we would want an R-rated adaptation of. So, whether that's we want overly swearing, whether we want blood and guts, it's I I think there's some there which are are ripe for a, an adaptation. Yeah. And some just downright bleak and horrifying commentaries on um governmental structures as we'll come to later yeah so what was your uh what was your favorite kids tv show growing up which isn't on your list favorite one um i quite liked a lot of the like american-y stuff so i was a big fan of like saved by the bell and stuff maybe that's a bit later maybe that's not so much kids kids tv shows i don't know that i remember watching like a lot of um i mean i must have done but I don't remember watching a whole load of stuff. Arthur. Arthur was quite good. Quite liked Arthur. Ah. So every day when you were walking down the street. <laughs> exactly. Everybody that you meet. That's our uh, that's our next Easter egg then. <laughs> <laughs> I can also tell you the one that I hated the most. I don't think it was a TV show as such, but I think I think it might have been like a either limited series or like a TV movie. But it was the Five Children and It. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, I, I, I'm sure I saw it, but I can't remember a lot about it. There was the weird little sand troll scrotum thing, and it was te- it genuinely <laughs> scarred me. Like it was terrifying. It was not fit for children's TV. Sand sand troll scrotum thing. Yeah, we had um. Uh, we are one of the Bernards from Bernard's Watch went to our school. Oh, hey, really? Which also means he went to your school. <laughs> yeah, a couple of, so couple couple of years below me. Okay. Everyone would always ask him what the time was, as if that was new and funny. <laughs> but I feel that you either had to be 
Bernard's watch or Queen's nose, like you you you're in one camp or the other. Ah, oh, the Queen's. I was very close to doing a Queen's nose one of, but like the monkey paw kind of thing. So all the wishes go wrong. Okay, I thought you meant like it was going to be the actual Queen's nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a uh, nostrils. Nice. So you make a wish and it closes up. <laughs> I have no idea where to take that line of conversation. So instead, you were going to say something. I was going to say something. I was going to say, what what was your favourite TV show? So probably my favourite TV show is one we will end up coming on to later in the show. So we won't spoil that then. I I will dive in there. But I I was a big fan of um, Puppets and Trains. So yeah, there was a lot of that. Ivor the Engine. Ivor the Engine was like a Welsh train thing. Used to love that. My dad basically made sure I watched stuff oh, like, he watched. <laughs> in Welsh. So, <laughs> not, not in Welsh. It was just, uh, yeah, it was, I used to love that. It was very, it was like hand drawn. It was, it was very nice. Uh, clangers. Remember a lot of the clangers? Oh, yeah. It's why I like soup and dragons. But all the weird stuff. And then when it comes to cartoons, so I was, you know what? I was going to, I was going to mention this later, but I'm going to have this now. So my, one of my favorite shows growing up was a Japanese anime about a bunch of, bunch of kids with their monsters and the monsters fought each other. And it was by far one of my favourite shows growing up. And that is obviously the far superior Digimon. Don't get me wrong. I loved Pokemon, but it always kind of riled me up because the the moral of Pokemon seems to be I'll probably work out. <laughs> like he, he, like he never actually threw intelligence or even understanding the very basics of Pokemon. No, no, he always used an electric type against everything. Yeah, it was like it was like the gym. Geely would just be like, "Are you sure? Because they're weak against rock, yeah, mate." Yeah. So no, I'll be fine. Use thunder. It's like no, 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 they're weak. And then the only reason he wins is because of a hilarious set of circumstances that lead to him winning. He never actually. He flukes everything. Yeah. And do you not feel like at the same time though that Digimon was just like it was the it was the supermarket knockoff? Well, I mean, first of all, Digimon taught you the important things like all the things Miami Connection tried to teach us. <laughs> so friendship, loyalty. But not geography. All, not geography. All all the good stuff. But I remember that there was a great <laughs> there was a great like webcomic I remember kind of reading which was just pokemon takes like a dog and adds color and legs yeah and digimon will take a dog and add guns but nice. yeah i was a big big digimon fan and probably my favorite kids show we will come on to in one of my choices later nice. okay. so with that in mind then what's your movie recommendation for the week and why is it digimon the movie so it's digimon the movie because no i'm <laughs> We joke, we joke. So I am commandeering movie recommendations nobody asked for this week because I have seen the clear, obvious choice for this episode and Graham hasn't. So that is the Banana Splits movie. So the Banana Splits was an American kids TV show from like the 60s or 70s. Um, And it was very kind of like mascot suit, tweenies kind of deal. Recently, a horror movie version of it came out, which is literally an R-rated movie based on a kids' TV show, and it's very much um, what's the what's the video game? Uh, F- Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. So yeah, 
yeah so these uh the banana splits are animatronics and the animatronics go crazy and they just start slaughtering all these people who were there for their last show and it is fucking surreal but it was it was all from the actual tv show i think it either went out of copyright or someone didn't renew something so they were able to it would be like them teletubbies doing a yeah it would be exactly like yeah, a teletubbies, teletubbies horror massacre. Movie. yeah 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 it was did they use the um the iconic banana split song in it the, that they might do you know that well, that uh, is used in another r-rated movie is it kick-ass it is kick-ass yeah, yeah. yes the the hit girl scene yeah ne- never question me about something where the answer is a nicholas cage film, <laughs> right? you know that it was <laughs> but yeah strongly recommend it cool and what if People have already had their fill of murderous animatronics, and they want something a little bit, uh, a little bit of a change of pace. So sometimes, what you want is maturity. So kids' TV shows and their plots are obviously inherently kind of immature because it's aiming themselves at a younger audience. So my advice would be, if you don't want that, is to aim at just a proper R-rated movie aimed at a mature audience, and that is obviously Ariaster's Midsummer. So it's a horror movie, it's fucked up, you see someone quite graphically get their head smashed in with a hammer, what more could you want? Three times. Three times. <laughs> but at one point, we're going to recommend Midsummer as the movie recommendation of the week, and then we'll just do it twice, it's going to be great. I look forward to that. <laughs> that will be on the Midsummer episode in like June, or whenever it is. Is that, or, uh, or we'll go very tongue-in-cheek for like a Groundhog Day special nice all all of the choices on the episode will be groundhog day <laughs> apart from the two that are midsummer isn't so, groundhog day coming up it's like it's early february isn't it oh fuck maybe well i mean to be fair it feels like we've been living the same day over and over and over and i could keep saying that for comic effect but i'm gonna stop so yeah on to kids tv shows that needed our rated movie and i believe the first choice is you it is thank you thank you very much ian first choice is actually something we've kind of already discussed um on a previous episode and seven <laughs> is seven a kid's show i mi- i must have well, missed yeah, that no, one no. you're a couple of years younger than me so maybe <laughs> now remember the muppets did it <laughs> Hey, hey. throw back to last episode we are we're just again like i think it's worth saying we are sorry about the content of the Muppets episode, um, but Gonzo fucks chickens. You had to get, you had to slip it in, didn't you? Yes, he did. <laughs> anyway, Good times. so um, what have we discussed what on a previous have we discussed episode? On a previous episode, so we have discussed in a couple of instances post-apocalyptic races across large expanses with lots of participants killing each other. Ah, so you you are obviously talking about Death Race 2000. I'm talking about, essentially, Wacky Races meets Death Race 2000. So, Wacky Races, obviously, excellent TV show back from the late 60s. Um, I think it was 1968 it came out. Actually only had 17 episodes, which I didn't realise. There's 34 races. Ah, of course, because each episode was divvied up wasn't it yeah yeah oh that makes sense but yeah only only 17 episodes and yeah i just think it's as we spoke about it just seems 
really well primed for like a gritty reboot. Obviously, there was the graphic novels, the Wacky Raceland novel, which essentially is doing this, but in the form of, of a comic. And yeah, it's it's kind of Wacky Races meets Death Race 2000 with less gimps, I think. I think there's less gimps in, in Wacky Races than there were in Death Race 2000. Well, it is an R-rated movie, so <laughs> you can... You know what, Graham? You can add as many gimps as you want. I'm, I'm, I'm on the phone to Channing Tatum right now. So I think, you know, it's it's ripe with great characters. So I think it's just a case of taking those characters and giving them like really gritty reimaginings. So like Dick Dastardly is, you know, largely the same, but more sinister. Muttley is like a very real frothing at the mouth of Rottweiler uh, that rips people's throats out. I think Pat Pending would be more down the sort of James Bond route. So his car is going to have all of the kind of gadgets and, and whatnot. You've got Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly, just full on tank. They're just gonna blow shit up. So are we going? Are we going live action here? Oh yeah, absolutely going, live action. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know who the perfect Dick Dastardly would be. Go on. Do you know who voiced him in the latest Scooby Doo movie? No. Jason Isaacs. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Because he's got the the kind of. Tall, slender, but also imposing build to him. I think it'd be great. You just need to add a curly moustache. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. I like that casting. There we go. Anthill mob. I'm thinking like proper modern day gangsters, like Goodfellas-esque. Would we chuck Sylvester Sloan's character from Death Rise 2000 in there? <laughs> he, was, he was basically stereotypical Goodfellas gangster. Yeah, I think, I think that's a nice sort of cameo throwback nod to the, to the wider Death Race kind of universe. Arkansas's Chug-a-Bug will feature an actual grizzly bear. <laughs> nice. And I think we'll upgrade Penelope Pitstop from being less of a 60s stereotype because, you know, it's 2021. Penelope Pitstop should be out there killing killing guys. I think set in sort of a wasteland, not dissimilar to Mad Max. The crashes are real, the weapons are real, and so are the consequences. That's the that's my tagline. I like it. Um, so would there be a plot? Or is it just going to be Fury Road style? <laughs> it's just... Or, or not even Fury Road style. Death Race 2000 style as well. Is it just the race? Or is it going to be a series of races? How do you foresee it? Paint me a road it's picture. Like you're, it, it's like you're in my head, Ian. So my, next, headphones. my next point was that I think as part of it, and this was done in the, the graphic novel as well, but to really sort of have some pieces where it dives in some of the backstories too so i know that in wacky raceland it follows dick dastardly from his like family man descent into a race car villain which i think we need more of and yeah otherwise we do just get a load of people driving through a wasteland looking pretty and we've already seen that movie so yeah i think we and want it was amazing <laughs> i think we want that um those elements of of yeah a bit of a bit of story a bit of meat to the bones a bit of skin in the game you you need to care when um the grizzly bear rips some uh pat pending in half with his... oh not pat pending <laughs> sorry spoiler he was, alert he was, <laughs> he was always my favorite one <laughs> but yeah and also i think interestingly there's there's definitely going to be some universal appeal for this because obviously r-rated movies are always a harder sell because you've got a smaller audience base right you can't go out yeah. to as many people so you're going to make as much money however Wacky Races was translated into 16 different languages. 
Um, so it's ready to go around the world. There's audiences there. And the best thing about Wacky Races being translated into 16 different languages is that it yielded some excellent new names for the show in those locales. Nice. So in Holland, it was known... I'd, I'm not going to try to pronounce the actual pronunciations, but the translation was Wild Bumpy Loser Rally. In <laughs> in France, it was known as The Fools of the Wheel. And nice. Japan had it down as Chicky Chicky Racing Machines, which I think is my favorite. So, so. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, as I said, the, the graphic novel... Um, Wacky Raceland looks fantastic. I think it's it's got great characters. It's you know there's there's enough there, and I think just bringing in those elements of of realism and actual consequences for for what's happening. Yeah, let's see it. Just gory swearing at some point. A grizzly bear kills a grown man. It's everything you need from a film. You could have the grizzly bear face off with like realistic frothing at the mouth, Mutley as well. Yeah. So I'm glad you said face. So the real question is who is going to be wearing whose dead mum's face? <laughs> if we're going full Fury Road, there has to be some face wearing, otherwise I'm out. Um, oh, good question. I would say that um, that's probably probably Sergeant Blast, so he's in the tank. Um, actually, no, Private Meekly. So Sergeant Blast is driving the tank, he's killing people. Private Meekly is up on the top wearing his dead mum's face. He, yeah, I don't know if he's playing guitar. Maybe, maybe a saxophone with fire coming out of it. Sold. <laughs> or do you have the hillbilly and it's a banjo? Nice. Yeah, I quite like that as well. So just hang- hanging from the front of the Arkansas Chucklebug. That does mean you will have a photorealistic bear driving, which, if anything, improves it for me. Yeah. Okay. Bow, 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 bow. It'll be it just just makes sense. Christoph Waltz, obviously playing the Red Baron character. Yeah, yeah, it's, obviously. It just yeah. just writes itself, Graham. Get the people on the phone. <laughs> I don't know who is it. It's Hanna-Barbera, isn't it, that owns the, the rights to it? Yes. I'll call Hannah, you call Barbera. You, you phrased that in such a way that it was just one person who was called Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hannah, right? We'll just give Hannah a call. <laughs> she loves dead mum's faces. Have you read the comic yet? I haven't. I, it's been added yeah. to my Amazon basket today, though. So ah, same. So, well, not today. It's been there for a while. It would also lead to an R-rated Dastardly and Mutley and their flying machines kind of spin-off. Yeah, catch the so pigeon. Could... Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, Dastardly verse. Nice. For my first choice, then uh, we're going Disney. So this is the first uh, Disney animated series to show somebody bleeding. Edgy. Which obviously means R-rated movie. So this is 1990s Gargoyles. I didn't realise Gargoyles was Disney. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's on Disney+. Plus. I watched some episodes yesterday. <laughs> it's... So... First of all, so there's a couple of good things with Gargoyles. So first, we don't have to recast the main character. So the central Gargoyle is a guy called Goliath, who's voiced by Keith David. Okay. So Keith David, you may recognise him as the guy who is, he's the other, other, other guy who is in absolutely everything. But most famously, 
played Reverse Giraffe in Rick and Morty. He's also in one of the best fight scenes ever in They Live, which is then what uh, South Park basically recreated in the Cripple fight in South Park. Okay. So, Gargoyles follows the story of a group of gargoyles who used to live in Scotland and now live in New York, but we're going to get there. So, my idea for an R-rated movie is the opening of season one has a five-episode arc called Awakening. So my R-rated movie would just be called Gargoyles Awakening, and it would just follow this kind of basic story arc, which is about them. Um, it's across two timelines. So it follows them in Scotland in the 900s and them in New York in the 1900s. Well, the 1990s, to be more realistic, obviously. It's kind of dark. <laughs> so it's very gothic, obviously, because they're fucking gargoyles. But the idea is these gargoyles like lived in the caverns below this castle in Scotland. And they had an agreement with the humans in the castle that they would help them defend the castle. They would leave the gargoyles alone. The gargoyles would protect them. Everything was great. There was obviously a little bit of tension between them because they were giant, like eight foot tall, muscular gargoyle things. They're only active at night. During the day, they turn into stone, thus the name. And they're defending the Scottish castle from Vikings. So there's our R-rated nugget number one. <laughs> is a uh, castle siege scene where gargoyles are ripping apart Vikings. Nice. So the, Viking, the Vikings don't believe the gargoyles are real. The gargoyles are real. Battle ensues. But hilariously cartoony battle where they keep like redoing the same animation over and over again. But in our movie, not the case. So I foresee the movie be kind of... So you would want like Guillermo del Toro to do it and it kind of be like Hellboy. So it can be a bit tongue in cheek, but it would be super superhero-y violent. Nice. I like that. So they're betrayed and Goliath, who's the leader of the Vikings and his mate who doesn't get named until like episode four, they then seek revenge and attack the Vikings. Um, so again, R-rated battle scene number two. The Vikings have taken the princess from the castle and a wizard who is obviously evil, which means it obviously wasn't him who betrayed them. It was their one friend. So kind of like Scooby-Doo rules where okay. they'll introduce you to two characters. It's obviously one of them, which means it's actually the other one. Goliath goes off to rescue this princess. The wizard thinks the princess has died, but she hasn't. He blames the gargoyles. He curses the ones that are left. So they just turn to stone. And there's a really dark bit. He uses the phrase, I have been denied everything, even my revenge. <laughs> In a kid's animated series. Nice. It's like, this is, this is quite dark. And then Goliath says, I want you to curse me as well, because I'd rather be turned to stone with my friends than live without them. So, you know, dark as fuck. So... Is this, you mentioned it's quite dark, so are you, is, is this kind of like a, a sort of quasi-horror movie, or are you thinking more stoner comedy? <laughs> stoner. Cause, cause they, I see what you did there, because they're stone. stone. I like that. Well, things are about to get quite high. Hey. So, the curse he put on them is a very wanky curse, <laughs> and it will only run out when uh so they will sleep until the castle rises above the clouds like proper 
high fantasy bollocks. So this is the bit I don't like <laughs> because it's fucking stupid because it's a kid's cartoon. A thousand years later, a very, very rich guy voiced by number one from Next Generation uh, buys the castle and ships it brick by brick to the top of a skyscraper in New York. Obviously. Uh, yeah. They get robbed, blah, blah, blah. There's a bit of backtracking, whatever. I won't go. I won't, I'm not going to cover all of every, the five episodes. Every plot point but that's, in the first five episodes of Gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the, the basic important thing is there. So it'll be two threads. So it'll be them fighting Vikings and being betrayed in the past. And then them kind of basically being betrayed in the modern time as well. So you could either have it um, as a flashback you could have it as kind of the two parts running simultaneously. But there is a... So what I don't like with films, <laughs> it's what I have now dubbed Alita Battle Angel, uh, Angel Syndrome. So I loved the Battle Angel film. Have, have you seen it? No. It's so much better than it has any right to be. It's it a looks, load of fun. It genuinely looks terrible, which is why I've not seen it. Yeah, but it's, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. The graphics are brilliant. The story is absorbing, but you get to like, you check how long's left, and it's only like fifteen minutes, and you realise they aren't going to be able to sum everything up, and it's leaving itself open for a sequel. Mm -hmm. and it's like that's not how you do it. You have to have an end point. So the end point of the Gargoyles movie would be them basically getting ownership of their castle back at the end. Okay. Um, it would open them up to other stories, but. You would still have a beginning, middle, and end of the whole story. It wouldn't just be open-ended for the sake of being open-ended. But it's great. Like, the character design is really cool. So all the gargoyles have kind of a different vibe to them. So there's, like, a one that's basically a hound. There's one which looks like a pterodactyl. There's one that kind of just, like, weird spider monkey thing. It's, it's a really fun show. And I just think, especially as the kind of the two Hellboy films, there were only two Hellboy films, <laughs> were done so well. I think this has a very similar kind of, it shares a lot of DNA with it. It's just gothic action movie. Yeah. No. So with it being a, a film set in New York in the 90s, um, is in, in, in a castle on a skyscraper. Is, is Donald Trump making an appearance? Because he seemed to uh, so a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so no, he's not going to. Um, we're going to get Macaulay Culkin on board as like a lawyer, and he's going to try and kick him out of the film. Nice. Okay. So it's going to be set. In the, actually, no, we'll 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 stay we'll stay quite faithful to the um, TV series, which at one point is a plot device that a floppy disk gets nicked. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go nineties. So he's only got kind of Bill Clinton to deal with there. Nice. Okay. Um, and. The other good thing is that you've already got... There's already a director sorted. I don't know if you've seen that there's, there's a director that has apparently come out and said that they would like to do a live-action Gargoyles film. Really? Mm. Who? None other than Jordan Peele. Fuck, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, well, there we go. Um, oh, fuck me, that'd be great. Yeah, apparently... Yeah, all right, so yeah. I, I want Jordan Peele... Gargoyles movie. I want Keith David to still do the voice of Goliath. Everyone else, whatever you want. Like the the whole the whole 
literally a castle on top of a skyscraper, I think they need to rejig a little bit. Like, is is Andy Circus playing every gargoyle? Uh, yes, yes, he will, and the castle. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know how you get around that. Like whether you just have it like the, you just move like a keystone from the castle to the top of a skyscraper or something like that, but. Well, maybe or you just like a... surely you just find the gar like the stone gargoyles, and you want like authentic Scottish gargoyles because that's the thing, and you just take the gargoyles up there. Yeah, so the the, the curse is the castle. Yeah, but you can just rewrite that in there. Yeah, true. Yeah. We could, we could, but... which could be awesome I, because I want... as they're traveling over, they like they're in the plane and they come to come to life. Nice, I like it. They start stirring. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's all available on Disney Plus. It's all very weird, as you would expect from a '90s cartoon, because the '90s there was a definite vibe and feel to the '90s. <laughs> but yeah, so gargoyles, we get proper Viking battles, we get modern day fighting, we get betrayal, possibly three times, and floppy disks and Jordan Peele. And Jordan Peele. So my next choice, I think I'm going to... The TV show, if you really look at it and boil boil it down, is really bleak. Like, it is... Before I even go into some other stuff, it is a bleak TV show. To the point that most of my research from this came from reading an article in The New Yorker by uh, someone called Gia, Gia Tolentino, whose name I've probably completely butchered. Um, and the, the title of that article was The Repressive Authoritarian Soul of Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. <laughs> so um, one of my favourite kids' TV shows growing up. Please continue. <laughs> so... Look, right off the bat, I guess we've got some very current topics that we can explore. But um, the, the article goes in and it talks about some, some real examples of this. Now, I don't know if you remember this episode, but there's an episode called The Sad Story of Henry. It's... <laughs> it's that sounds like a fucking emo album. <laughs> it's, it's available in full on YouTube. We'll, well, Ian will put it in the description comments thing. Um, so basically... Henry is the green engine. He's chugging along, starts raining, and he goes into a tunnel and decides that he doesn't... Fuck, I do remember this. <laughs> he doesn't want to come out the other side because it's raining and he's worried that the rain's going to ruin his paint, his nice green paint and his red stripe. So the Fat Controller, um, real name... Do you know what the Fat Controller's real name is? It's... Something. Uh, it's um. It is Sir Top Hat. Close, Sir Topham Hat. Shit. <laughs> so he, the Fat Controller, tries to have Henry forcibly removed from the tunnel. He has the passengers try and push and pull him out. He has Thomas try and push him out. Not himself. So he says that doctor's orders prevented him from trying to lend a hand in in getting him out. And proving himself to be the the authoritarian leader that he clearly is, um, then everyone lies to Henry and says that it stopped raining. And Henry's like, "It hasn't. You've all got your umbrellas up still." 
Henry is no fool. So then what does, what does the Fat Controller do? How does he deal with this descent in his ranks? The Fat Controller punishes Henry for life. So he literally takes away the rails and he bricks up the entrance to the tunnel so he can't leave. In his words, for always and always. But also, not completely, just enough so that Henry can never escape, but also he can always see the other trains driving past who hurl abuse at him. This is literal train torture. I, I pulled up the synopsis of the episode and it ends with Edward always toots hello with his whistle while Gordon always laughs at Henry, saying it serves him right. Henry has no steam to answer them and the soot and dirt from the tunnel has ruined his paint anyway. Henry is left alone, cold, dirty, and very sad, wondering if he will ever be let out again. Yep. And then do you know what... Fuck me! Do you know what the last line of the episode is? It's... The horror? It it is, (laughs) obviously, Ringo Starr saying, I think he deserved that punishment. Don't you? Oh, fucking Ringo. (laughs) As he refuses to sign autographs. I realise it was a script, but fuck Ringo, then. (laughs) I'm glad the Beatles broke up. And there were a lot more trains that received grim fates. So Smudger got turned into a generator and was told that he will finally be of some use now. Fucking hell! (laughs) (laughs) There's a bus that gets trapped under a tunnel and turned into a hen house for being a scarlet deceiver. Does that mean a whore? (laughs) I don't think so. Um, I think he was basically trying to cajole people into using buses instead of trains and therefore was turned into a hen house. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's also a freight car who gets pulled in two different directions until he shatters into pieces because he was a troublesome truck. It's dark. Like, it is really, like, full-on authoritarian, like, real public punishments for any form of dissent. Interestingly, written by an Anglican minister. Well, God, God hates trains. <laughs> uh, clearly, um, yeah, really all over sort of keeping keeping order and, and doling out the punishments. But yeah, so... Fucking hell. That, that's that's ruined. That's, that's, given we're in lockdown because of a global pandemic, <laughs> that's really put a dampener on my day. So, look, as I said, Thomas... It really deals with a lot of heavy stuff. Well, most, most, most trains do. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, there's, you know, this real commentary on like authoritarian rule, kind of submitting to to what your leaders are telling you to do, etc. It's really quite current. So I think a real kind of gritty version of this with commentary on that basically writes itself. However, I would like to add another layer to Thomas. And this comes in the form of and I, it seems to be kind of uncredited, but I believe it was a Japanese Twitter user who basically posted a drawing of what, essentially, if like the faces on Thomas the Tank Engines were actual human faces, what the anatomy of the human inside the train would be. Yeah, I remember seeing that and I didn't sleep for days. <laughs> so my idea for the movie is that the fat controller has like been experimenting on trains and people for years and he's like creating these horrendous hybrids as a form of torture and living out his darkest authoritarian fantasies. 
and Thomas will lead the revolution. So Thomas is going to be the one that is kind of fighting back against the fat controller. Ah, uh, so it, it's uh, it's kind of a, a revolution story here then. Yeah, I think so. And and some trains will be lost on the way. Oh, without a doubt, especially Henry. Henry's fucked. Um, <laughs> but also, this all ties quite well into another fan theory, where Thomas the Tank Engine takes place in a train post-apocalypse. But in actual fact, it's just occurring on this island that they live on. And the outside world is normal, but the fat controller is telling them this story. So sort of like 10 Cloverfield Lane, like the fat controller is gaslighting the trains into believing that there's... Gaslighting is not necessarily the right word, but he's he's, he's telling the trains that that they're living in this post-apocalypse and that they need to follow his rules, despite the fact that, well... These train human hybrids, anyway. Um, despite the fact that actually in the outside world everything is fine, it's just on the fat controller's like mental island where this is all happening. Um, so yeah, the fat controllers fuse trains and humans, and yes, Ringo Starr will still narrate the movie. But also, like anything where inanimate objects have sentience is immediately horrifying. The more you think about it, because trains get scrapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trains go out of service. Trains are always late. It's, yeah, it's fucked. There's the whole thing, like, there's there's a similar theory with cars, right? The the cars universe. Yes, yeah. And how, actually, it probably is like a post-apocalyptic universe where cars have, like, the people are fused into the cars. Yeah, I mean, to, on, on a slightly lighter note, <laughs> um... Have you listened to the Thomas the Dank Engine stuff? I haven't, no. <laughs> Thomas the Dank Engine is people remixing hip-hop songs over the top of the Thomas the Tank Engine theme tune. Nice. It is amazing. So, yeah, I'll, uh, that'll go in episode notes. But that, that'll, that'll improve your day. I might listen to one of those before going into my cho- next choice. But I like it. I like it. So uh, is, are we talking like, is this going to be like a gritty kitchen sink drama kind of thing? And the reason it's R-rated is because of the pure adult themes and trains slowly starving to death in a bricked-up tunnel? Yeah, exactly that. I think it's... Um, and also, you know, like, these these kind of quite strong social commentaries and stuff, I think they, they, they require the grittiness of an R-rated film to really convey how horrific, um, you know, life under an authoritarian rule of someone who calls himself the fat controller... Because I feel like the Fat Controller and Sir Topham Hat are kind of like, they're two distinct personalities as well. Ah, uh, okay. So you're saying there's a bit of Fight Club in there as well. <laughs> I don't know if we're going full Fight Club, but I think like Sir Topham Hat is is uh, how he, you know, how he raises his money at fundraisers to fuel his train human hybrid experiments. But the Fat Controller is like when he's mean, you know, getting down to business with his train. I, I, could, I could see, so yeah, I... I... I could see some proper uh, Fat Controller Obey posters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up, man. (laughs) Don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that at all. But also, like, even just that episode is fucked up before you start factoring in this whole totalitarian (laughs) post-apocalyptic theory. It's still a fucked up. I think he deserved that punishment. Don't you? To go on to my next choice on a slightly lighter note, 
uh, in this TV show, the main character dies in the first episode and suffers various gruesome deaths throughout the run of the show. So South Park isn't a TV, a kid's TV show, Ian. Ah, oh, fuck. All right, let me give me a minute. No, so my choice is 1967's Captain Scarlet and the Mr. Rods. Nice. So Captain Scarlet was a Jerry Anderson TV series. So the guy who bought you Thunderbirds and Stingray, which we will discuss more in a minute. It was Super Marionation. <laughs> saying it was Super which... Mario. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. So Super Marionation was a type of puppetry where the lips were basically electronically synced to the words. Okay. So that's automatically done and they just have to focus on animating, like puppeteering everything else. Kind of real tangent about moving mouths. Did you know that you can never bite down on anything? Because you're always biting up. Your top of your jaw never moves. I put I put so much sorry I, I just I was just trying that out on my finger for some reason I put so much focus into trying to bite down that I very hard bite bit down on my fucking finger <laughs> oh I shouldn't be allowed out uh, that is a very interesting fact and I don't like you for it because <laughs> now you've ruined food for me you've I don't have a lot left outside of meal times anyway continue. <laughs> so, Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons, uh so it was mari- marionette puppets. It followed the virtually indestructible Captain Scarlet. So, Captain Scarlet was part of Spectrum, which was a worldwide security organization. All of the people in it were named after colors because code names. So there was a, they were led by Colonel White, there was a Lieutenant Green, and there was Captain Scarlet, Captain Black, Captain Blue, Captain Ochre, Captain Brown, blah, 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 blah. They then had like an Air Force who were all called musical related angel names. So there was Rhapsody Angel and Destiny Angel and Symphony Angel. And they flew like really badass fighter, pilot, uh, fighter planes. I forgot that I owned a lot of toys from this series until I started researching it. And everything popped up. It was like, I had that. <laughs> I had those. I had the little Spectrum patrol vehicle tank, which for some reason they sat backwards in. So the seat the seat would like come out the side. He would sit in it. And I, I, why not? So Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons is fucking weird. A puppet bleeds. So that answers a possible question from a Muppets episode we had. <laughs> so basically... Spectrum accidentally start an interplanetary war with the Mistrons, who are these Martian AI consciousness who could control matter. So they destroy their city because they miss... They basically think a camera is a gun. So they destroy the city. The Mistrons get a bit pissed off. Commandeer Captain Black's brain, so he becomes evil. They engineer a car crash, so Scaptain... Scaptain? Scaptain. Scaptain. Captain Scarlet. <laughs> so, engineer a car crash. So, Captain Scarlet and Captain Brown die. They then become puppets eh, of the Mistrons. Kidnap the world president because when this was made, that didn't seem like a dystopian thing to say. <laughs> and then one thing leads to another. Captain Scarlet falls off of a giant car park, as we often do. And that just kind of reprograms his brain. So he's no longer under Mysterion control. 
but he's still been like rebuilt by them. So the only thing that can harm him is basically electricity. Right. But he gets brutally killed <laughs> in in a lot of episodes and then just heals back. So I feel like with this and with the the five story arc in Gargoyles, you've gone into quite a lot of depth about the narrative in these films. As a kid, did you like for me, I didn't really have any awareness of any of this and i certainly never watched any of the episodes in order so gar- gargoyles i did understand because they have a very thorough previously on gargoyles section right captain scarlet i learned a lot about what was actually happening today <laughs> it's horrifically overcomplicated. they don't ever really explain what the mysteries are like you said they weren't when when we were watching this anyway it was never it would never seem to be shown in order. I don't think I've ever watched the series in order. No. I fucking loved it, but from a very, ooh, those are pretty colours kind of child way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like the puppet stuff. I like the fact that the introduction is just a puppet getting fucked up by machine guns before calmly shooting someone in the head. It's, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea what was happening. And I loved it. The I also liked the... Do you remember how they transitioned between scenes? Was it just uh, the the like the swipe? No, so they had uh you were so it was dum 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 and on each dum it would switch between the two scenes. Okay. And then it would end on the other one. It was fucking great. I'll do that as the transition after this part. I look forward to it. But this all means that we get an R-rated action movie about someone who is virtually indestructible. So I'm thinking John Wick. Like just just full blown spy action movie. There's a l- still puppets. Uh, so I'm thinking real people. Okay. So I, I'm not I'm not thinking Team America. Right. But a benefit of this is that if we're introducing Captain Scarlet, we could go into a full R-rated Jerry Anderson verse. So we could also then do R-rated Thunderbirds, which. Was my favorite show growing up. So favorite Thunderbird. Uh, I was I was always partial to Fall. Ah, the the Yellow Submarine. So yeah, so you weren't that you weren't you're not that happy about the Beatles breaking up then. Um, see, mine was well, I, well, I you don't need two Yellow Submarines. That's true. So mine was two, which had four yeah. inside it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, because you had the different pods, like sometimes it would be a drill. I, I loved watching it. So I would regularly at university get drunk and watch Thunderbirds episodes. <laughs> There's one where like a deforester runs loose in a forest and it is very clearly the front of a hoover. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, we had loads of these on video and we had two titles on each one. So we would have the actual title of the episode and then we would have what I referred to it as. Nice. So because my dad realized that or my I don't know which of my parents realized. That, yeah, I would I would have a very set way of describing an episode and they just jotted them all down. And was like, so when he says the one the one where the ship crashes, where there's about fucking eight of them, he means this one. <laughs> and then he will specify desert if it's the one that crashes into the desert. But later on to that, because I, I feel like that, that, is a, that is a good universe to be able to open up, but I think Captain Scarlet lends itself to it a lot more. 
So just indestructible. And he would, he would like proper like Wolverine style, just get blown to pieces every other episode before regrowing. The only issue with that is it does enter into the Superman problem a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where, or that the, <laughs> we can refer to this in a number of ways. It's also the Liam Neeson issue where if you can never lose, why do you care? Yeah. So, like, if he, if he can never be killed, there is no sense of threat in anything that he does. So, I feel like in an R-rated film, you could address that a little bit more because I guess for a child audience, you don't want to explain how the main character could die. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is a similar like um, uh, monkey skull and a baby lake. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. It would just be a rainbow monkey skull. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's my idea. I I want to bring back the virtually indestructible Captain Scarlet, have him fuck up some aliens. It would be amazing. Nice. Captain Scarlet. Boom, 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 boom. So, Graham, what is your next choice? My next choice is, we're going back to the 80s. I guess probably the only only show, only show that we talk about today that's um, more of a, it's technically a game show more than like a narrative story driven tv show um 50 50 <laughs> that was that that was the one with the like the, they had four schools rock up wasn't it and they had to like there was like a hundred yes. kids yeah yeah but yeah no not 50 50 that would i mean i don't know how you would spin that into into a movie but Care- carefully <laughs> No, I am talking, of course, about the fantastic nightmare. So, nightmare was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a game show. It was notoriously hard. So, over the course of, so it ran for um, between 19, 1987 and nineteen ninety four. In that run, they had eight seasons. Do you want to have a guess at how many teams won? There's about third. The I think the first ep- first season had about eight episodes, and then all of the other seven seasons had I think thirteen to sixteen episodes. Nine. Very close. Eight. Only eight teams. Ah. Won. Um, so, fun piece of trivia for you: that is the same amount of winners that Takeshi's Castle has had. Maybe it's a maybe it's a shared universe. Who knows? Maybe that that's what I was basing it on. It's like, do I think more or less than Takeshi's cars? <laughs> and yeah, up until episode fourteen of season three, there still hadn't been a winner. <laughs> at, at, at that point, don't you just think maybe we've made this too hard? Possibly, but I I kind of like it for the fact that like a lot of like kids game shows, like someone always wins something, whereas this was yeah. proper. Like, like, if you're not good enough, you get in fuck all and you're going home. But yeah, so the the idea of uh, of nightmare is that four kids come along, they have they designate one of them to be the dungeoneer, and the dungeoneer is the one that's kind of going to go through the dungeon, complete the quests and the challenges, um, and the other three sort of guide them along the way. You also have Treyguard, the dungeon master. Um, who sort of welcomes them to the dungeon and is sort of their counsel as they go through it. And then you have the um, the big bad guy who is Lord Fear, the techno-sorcerer. 
which is just a fantastic name. Techno- I'm going to add that to our list of prospective names. <laughs> so yeah, and then the kids would they would go in, they would go through, they'd meet all these weird and wonderful characters. It's a proper sort of fantasy, like Dungeons and Dragons-esque type world. And I think it would be ripe for sort of taking that premise, but switching it up, not necessarily kids having the dungeoneer as as the protagonist he would have his trusty council guiding him through i see trey garden like this kind of gandalf type role that he's recruited the dungeoneer brought him along with his with his council and i see it playing out like a, a sort of like a classic skyscraper movie but within a dungeon so you know like your okay. die hard dread the raid like they're going it's completely fantasy themed but they're fighting their way through the dungeon to the end basically until they fight the big bad guy who's lord fear in this case the techno sorcerer so basically you could whittle this down to it's fantasy the raid basically fantasy the raid um all of the characters from stop stop (laughs) selling when you're sold (laughs) all of the characters from from the nightmare tv show which there were some fantastic fantastic names obviously we've had lord fear the techno sorcerer you've got gum gumboil the knight mcgrew the scotsman <laughs> and obviously the aptly named owen the dragon nice we'll leave some of the more questionably named characters back in the 80s such as r wok the chinese merchant yeah uh <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that we'll leave that well back in the the 80s yeah like proper dial up the violence and like the also the consequences so one thing that you have in in nightmare is that as you go through things you um there was a 25 minute time limit on the episode and that was depicted by the the players had this life force that was kind of ticking down in the corner so it was represented by like bits of uh it was different in different seasons but like for example there was like a knight and like as the episode went, a bit of armor would fall off until he was a skeleton, and then when the skeleton disintegrated, they they were done. So there's like a time element to it as well. So like the protagonist, the um, the dungeoneer would have a limited life force that he needed to rely on to get through to get through to the end and defeat the the big bad guy. But also, as I say, like you would have real life consequences. So like there's there's. I mean, there's countless, countless different trials that that you see in the series, but like there's things with like big swinging axes that you had to walk past to make sure you didn't get hit. Obviously, it's really dodgy '80s graphics in the TV show, but that would be you know very realistic. People are getting cut up, cut in half, etc. Yeah, I just think we can reuse a lot of those set pieces and a lot of those tasks, but dial them up. Um, as I say, we wouldn't use. Um, school kids so would they would they be would they be games in the film like is there gonna be like a saw edge or like escape room edge to it no i think i or is it just gonna be each a game would be like an action set piece and them trying to get yeah i th- I, I see it tower i see it playing out more like that so like each new room has a there's there's something you need to overcome to get to the next part of the dungeon or if you were using the skyscraper analogy to the next floor of the skyscraper so yeah i just think like a proper brutal slog through a dungeon magic you've got the nightmare helmet so the guy can't actually see what's going on so he has to be he still needs his counsel to guide him through and 
yeah plays out like those sort of aforementioned skyscraper movies really um and until at the end against all odds against the hordes of goblins and ghouls and all all sorts they um they make it out and defeat the techno sorcerer nice and then obviously there'd be a post-credit sequence that ties it into fort boyard <laughs> i don't know maybe you just hear like a tiger growl or something like that you know Pamela Anderson. Important part. <laughs> yeah. it's made me think of other game shows that could have turned into an r-rated movie i i like the idea of uh get your own back yeah where it would just be the twist. It would basically be Saw, but then the twist would be their kids put them there. <laughs> yeah, or or Funhouse, and but like a really sinister Funhouse. Yeah, I mean, one thing which like is worth mentioning as well, because my last choice isn't as relevant, is all of these you'd also get for the trailer, the slowed down acoustic cover of the theme tune. Yeah. And well, actually, yeah. you say that I've got the the uh the soundtrack is already nailed on for the nightmare movie because the guy who plays Treyguard, um not not that long ago i think about in 2010 or so lent his voice to a metal song by the band evil scarecrow called enter the nightmare and it is based upon it is based upon the tv series and it's fantastic so that's the soundtrack sorted i take it back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, Night- Nightmare's just so much fun. It's it's so painfully 80s, but I just think that the concept of like you say like the like a fantasy version of the raid needs to happen anyway, whether or not we have the night Nightmare branding or not. And also Nightmare Live, I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but I saw it at Adderbelly Festival and I think it's been at the Edinburgh Fringe as well is just so much fun. So is it just them people doing the game? Or is it? Uh... It's comedians doing nightmare, and they they rehash all of the classic tropes from it and stuff. So like you have like one of the famous sayings from Nightmare, and I don't know why it happened all the time, but every time like the the dungeoneer went into a new room, obviously the first thing that the the uh, helpers do is describe where they are, and every time they always said you're in a room. So every <laughs> like every thing always started in in nightmare life with you're in a room and then they also is that the will that be the tagline on the poster i think so yeah. yeah um and then the other thing that they did when i went to see it is so you use one of the things that they had is like you'd find a knapsack and in the knapsack you could take like i don't know one of the three items and but this is how hard it was because if you took the wrong item you couldn't complete the show like if you if you took the key instead of the apple, but you actually needed the apple yeah. to distract a donkey or something, like you you couldn't complete it. What what kind of prick <laughs> can't distract a donkey with a key? <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, uh, y- you get my point. But in order to replicate that, what they did at the beginning of the show is they went across the front row, and it was just like they had a I don't know if it was a carrier bag or a, uh, it was probably like some kind of knapsack, and everyone from the front row just like dumped a random thing from like their pocket or their handbag into this bag <laughs> and they became the items for the quest um yeah it was, it was it was a lot of fun oh that's fucking brilliant nightmare live action the raid fantasy the raid let's let's do it and obviously we keep the techno sorcerer i was, ha- I was having a look through some of the other character names and like you said they are uh there are some inter- Greystag the Witch Queen. 
I just love the idea so, that a dragon's called Owen. Good times. I like this. I like this idea. I was I, I was very close to going. Um, there there were a few choices. So there was psychological horror, Rosie and Jim. Yep. <laughs> there was obviously had had to con- like. I can't acknowledge to myself that Doctor Who's a kids' TV show, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I think Nightmare is definitely the best. I think game show that could get the R-rated treatment. But we will get on to that later. Yes. My final choice, then. We're going back to the 90s for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So Mighty Morphin Power Rangers obviously works because it's a bunch of ninjas beating the shit out of each other. So, well, not each other, out of clay people? Out of weird clay people. And it has, out of weird clay And it has the least threatening-sounding evil person in Rita. <laughs> yeah, Rita Repulsa. <laughs> it sounds like it's either a terrible villain or an amazing drag queen. <laughs> it's... So pa- Power Rangers is a show which was described as too violent for young children. So it is ripe for some R-rated movie adaptations. And I'm going to come straight out at the beginning and say I am stealing the vast majority of this from Adi Shankar's Power Rangers short film, which is on YouTube. Adi Shankar has made what I think he calls like the bootleg universe, which is basically completely <laughs> copyrighted fringing short films where he takes things and puts a spin on them. So he did one called Dirty Laundry, which for a good while, and possibly still is, the best Punisher adaptation I've ever seen. So he got Thomas Jane back in to play Punisher, Mm -hmm. and it is just a hyper-violent short film. He did The End of Pokemon, which is a dark five-minute anime of Ash Ketchum trying to free all the Pokemon. It looks... Which I I sent you earlier. It's fucked up. It it looks so good as well. Like, I would watch... I would watch a feature-length movie of that. And I'd definitely watch it over Detective Pikachu again. Yeah. And then he did... Well, actually, one good thing with Dirty Laundry is Ron Perlman is in it. Oh, really? Ron Perlman would make a very good Zordon. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I like his face. So, Adi Shankar's Power Rangers really hones in on the fact that Power Rangers were young teenagers who were basically brainwashed into fighting in an intergalactic war that they didn't know anything about. Like, it's... It's kind of fucked up. (laughs) It's in this kind of, like, post-apocalyptic world, basically the Machine Empire won and the Power Rangers were defeated and it's kind of got, like, a mystery vibe to it yeah it it does boil down to they were basically child soldiers and one of them makes a point of like why do you think they got school children to do this it's because they're easily susceptible and molded into being whatever this dude who lives in a tube wants them to do and he all he had to do was like dangle some dinosaurs in front of them yeah exactly (laughs) kids kids love dinosaurs But yeah, I just think it would really... Because there are some outside of what would just be... So not necessarily the plot, but I saw the fighting very much as like the the raid. Mm. So the raid has got some of the best fight choreography of the last like 20 years. That Or re- realistic anyway, because like Jackie Chan's is always fun, but it's not 
it never looks violent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks more like he's dancing, basically. <laughs> if you had Power Rangers choreographed like the raid, so it looked like... Or have you watched The Warrior King? No. So The Warrior King was a... Um, it's like Eco... No, is it? No, to, uh, Tony Jar And someone... This sounds like I'm lying. Someone steals his elephant. <laughs> and he has to track down the elephant. And there's a scene where he break, he goes, kind of has a red mist moment and breaks like 40 people's legs. Nice. I, I really hope that in that film, there's a part when they're all like, maybe in the climactic scene and everyone's there and so is the elephant. And it's just, you know, so we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Hey, <laughs> so there is a scene in the episode where a giant throws an elephant through a glass window. This sounds mental. <laughs> yeah, and the giants played by wow, we're, we're really going uh, interlinked on film choices. Uh, a Morton Joe's giant hench Australian son in Fury Road. Nice. Okay. Yeah, who I think was in the WWE for like four weeks or something. But yeah, Warrior King is great. So R-rated Power Rangers, you would have proper violent visceral fighting. You would hone in on some of the adult themes that they are basically brainwashed kids yeah and i think there's a lot to be said for that you would also then have pacific rim style giant robots fighting giant monsters i did have a look through some of the kind of giant monsters they fought and i say we just build one from scratch <laughs> yeah i <laughs> they were all i remember them looking very weird ropey as like it was definitely they spent the budget elsewhere. I think they had. I, I think it was done like Magic Roundabout, where I don't think there was much of a budget because I think they only shot the all of the fight scenes came from a Japanese show, and then America reshot the scenes in between them. Okay, it's why the it's it's why the Power Rangers changed shape and sometimes gender. I think <laughs> in and out of the suits. So here's a good question for you, right? So the the Megazord in in power rangers is like is is the toy of my youth that i always lusted after but never got do you have an equivalent i did i did always want the the power rangers toys but i never really got them yeah i, I i'm not sure if i ever because i'm fairly sure there were toys that we lusted after and then as soon as we got them we stopped lusting after them like the castle do you remember that toy castle that had like rocks and stuff? Oh, I know the one you mean. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone had that. Uh, Tracy Island. Obviously, everyone wanted a Tracy Island. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I did. Yeah, I did always want. I, I remember a, a friend had the Power Ranger stuff, and I would just sit in the corner of his room playing with them because I'm <laughs> cool. So this this was a few weeks ago. So. Yeah. So. I've pulled, I've pulled up a list of um, Power Rangers villains and I have to double check this is actually real. <laughs> because I'm not sure if they've just called them this or if that is... No, that that is a real name. So, Turkey Jerk, <laughs> who was uh, a giant turkey wearing what looks to be a Shogun hat and like a Dalek exterminator thing. Uh, Mr. Tickle Sneezer, who was a leprechaun. <laughs> Goofish. Goofish. The Krabby Cabby, who was half crab, half taxi. (laughs) (laughs) 
Aristomole, who seems to be a French stereotyped mole, as in beret and stuff. Purse head, who had a purse for a head. Key monster, who was a giant key. Yeah, it was just a very weird TV show, wasn't it? Yeah. But who would you have as the, um, you know, the ridiculous bullies? Is it Balkan Skull? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Like, there, there's a couple of people. Uh yeah. No, I, I. I. actually don't know. You definitely need to get rid of the the like obvious racial stereotypes of the Power Rangers colors. Oh, there's a great Key and Peel sketch based on that. Oh, really, I haven't seen that one. Which is worth. Yeah, I'll, I'll add it to the episode notes. But yeah, so half of the Power Rangers were racially insensitive. <laughs> no, not half, because they introduced the White Power Ranger. Yeah. Yeah, who was the Green Power Ranger originally? So that's okay, but yeah, but he had. No, actually, the no, ho- I, no, had... no, no, I mis- I, I miscounted. Yes, half the Power Rangers were racially insensitive. Yeah, but he also had the the White Power Ranger when he came back with the, like the dagger flute that summoned the big Godzilla monster thing. That was that was very cool. Was there the? I don't know why I said was there, because there was. What was up with the giant turtle geezer? Um, wasn't he just one of the... Because he wasn't, like, did anyone call him? Or was he just, like, the... He just kind of came out of the... Did he come out of the ocean or something? It very dramatically came out of the, the ocean. Um, yeah. Tore the shuttle sword. Oh, so I've, I, I also... Googled Google the same page? No, I, I googled <laughs> Turtle Power Rangers and found the crossover between Power Rangers yes. and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that would mean if if this crossed over with R-rated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which makes sense, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are intrinsically linked with Daredevil. Yep. So in the comics, the accident that the same makes accident, Daredevil right, go yeah. blind also creates the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which means there is a world where we could have R-rated Deadpool turn up in Power Rangers. Yep, I'm I'm on board with that. But but more, but yeah, actually, R-rated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be awesome. It would be great, wouldn't it? But it's yeah. So there's there's two ways to go about this. There's just over the top, self-referential Deadpool style Power Rangers. So just hyper-violent, over-the-top greatness. Or you dive deeper into kind of the undercurrent that I was talking of, of, you know, there is like borderline a war film to be had about it all, where they are soldiers, they are basically brainwashed, it is a cult. It's, yeah, and you know we love cult films. But, yeah, so that is, that is my choice. Uh, R-rated Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We might even get fucking... Was it Ivan Ooze rocking up in a post-credit sequence somewhere? It'll be great. What's your top three out of your choices? So third place, um, Wacky Races. I love Wacky Races, but I just think the other two lend themselves just so well. Originally, I think Thomas the Tank Engine was going to be my first choice, but actually thinking of Nightmare in the context of like doing fantasy version of the raid which i just feel like we haven't had anything like that and maybe after this we should go write it because let's let's make some money um because we're not making we're not doing that doing this um so um 
So I think it just edges it, but they're very close. So I would say Wacky Races 3, Thomas Tank Engine 2, Nightmare 1, but there's not much in between Thomas Tank Engine and, and Nightmare. Nice. So my choices, I would go Gargoyles 3rd. Ah, oh, would I? I just really like the idea of a Gargoyles fighting Vikings. <laughs> but I, I would go Gargoyles 3rd, I'd go Captain Scarlet second, and I'd go Power Rangers first. But they're all, yeah, it's all very, very close. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. But that is that is my final top three. Nice. So, what are we saying for the final, the podcast nobody asked for top three on kids' TV shows that need an R-rated movie? It's another tough one, isn't it? Yeah. It's I. I would happily go for any of the six, so I'm going to say we go for my ones and just call it a day. <laughs> that seems to be a common thread, so, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, don't ask, don't get. <laughs> <laughs> so my interpretation of R-rated movie is, it always comes up in terms of like superhero films. So you want an R-rated movie of this? Yeah. So for me, the important thing is. It is addressing themes that are there that you can't really go into detail on something that isn't Mm R-rated. So, like how Logan Logan properly goes in on death and killing kids. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then also not having to hold back when it comes to action set pieces and things like that. But then again, so does Star Wars when... uh... (laughs) True, true. But you didn't see blood. (laughs) No, that's where That's where Anakin drew the line. (laughs) But, I mean, R-rated prequel trilogy isn't going to fix that fucking mess, but we will save that for when we... when it's not 20 past 11. (laughs) But... You see, Graham, there's a lot of things wrong with the prequel trilogy. Uh, we'll start with the opening crawl of a phantom. But yeah, so the themes that are there that can be looked into and then the action set pieces. That's what I like from a good R-rated film. So what you're saying is Thomas the Tank Engine for the themes and Nightmare for the action set pieces. That works. I do. I love the Thomas the Tank Engine idea. Because <laughs> would, would, would you go full horror movie with it? Or, or no, no, we said drama, didn't we? Yeah, I think it's got to be really kind of gritty. You're like looking at the motives behind the fat controller, his deceptions of like the outside world, and these people are living in a train apocalypse where that is the only thing that is is reality now, and obviously imposing his like strict authoritarian rule. Yeah, and then the train slowly dying in a bricked up tunnel, unable to speak to his friends outside. <laughs> uh, yeah honestly watch after this just watch the sad story of henry it's it's i i think i'm gonna have to so wacky races you're ruling out i'm ruling wacky races just... out I, li- I like it um and i'd prefer to see that than fury road again but i think we've we've <laughs> don't shake your fist at me um i think we've it's maybe too close to to Fury Road or Death Race 2000. I'd love to see it, but for that reason, I'm happy to kind of park it 
as it Power were. Rangers for me is very interesting because of the look that they're kids being made to fight in a war. I love. I I really think there's something there for an R-rated Captain Scarlet movie. Yeah. I I I do just see it being, yeah, very John Wick esque, but indestructible John Wick, who which is basically John Wick, really. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not. It it it's it's not that he's impervious to damn. It, it's kind of like a super duper healing factor, basically. So what is the actual? Captain Scarlet regeneration thing is it just that he heals? I'm glad you asked. It it is called retro metabolism. <laughs> so the the idea is they so the Mistrons killed him and then replicated him, right? And then they reprogrammed that. Okay. So, but then the fall he had off of some giant eight hundred foot tall car park in London took out the Mistron reprogramming and basically left him with this indestructible body okay it's a good job that they didn't do that to me because i have a notoriously quite slow retro metabolism (laughs) it's all there your one weakness is lactose (laughs) (laughs) but well you could be captain red i don't think there's a captain red well captain scarlet is basically captain red well there's also a captain magenta like they do they go for the uh the bottom of the crayon box on a lot of them (laughs) captain burnt sienna Captain Ochre, which I'm not taking the piss about. That is an actual one. <laughs> I feel like they went through the obvious ones and realised they needed to kill some people off, so kind of had to add others in. Yeah. But I definitely think there's something there. Gargoyles, I really like the idea of, but also it's just me basically saying it's basically Hellboy over and over again. So I will I will allow that one to rest. Yeah, I think that's it. Like I, I also like the idea of gargoyles fighting vikings but it's it's like the yeah it's maybe not that it's been done but like something like it has been done so the other and ones it wouldn't of... it the, the, the pro- and it's a similar problem wacky races has gargoyles would be an incredible film but you would always compare it to hellboy and i think it would always come up short to it yeah Unless Gargoyles was very, very good. but So Hellboy the Golden Army, I think, is one of the most underrated sequels ever mm-hmm. made. It's one of the most underrated superhero films. Um, I made a list of my favourites a while ago when I still did the movie review website stuff, and that was up there. It's fucking incredible. So it is between Captain Scarlet, Power Rangers, Thomas the Tank Engine, Nightmare. <laughs> yep. So we're doing it. We're working our way through. Nightmare as Fantasy the Raid. Yep. Sure, let's go with that, shall we? Um, can I not convince you for Takeshi's Curse? <laughs> um, why hasn't there... But just even before we... Why hasn't there been a film like that? Or has there, and I'm um, just not thinking of it? I, I can't... As in Fantasy the Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, like... I think the problem with fantasy films is it's very easy to do them badly. Yeah. And then when there are kind of fight scenes, it's generally sword and sandal fight scenes. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree. I just don't. I just I just feel it's because there's definitely right. yeah. there's there's an opportunity. There's a gap in the market here. It could it could even just be uh, walking to a studio and say so. The raid meets fantasy, and we would like fifty million dollars. <laughs> 
Right, that's tomorrow sorted. That'll keep me busy till Wednesday. So, out of mind then, what what are you saying is locked in? Would you rather see Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or would you rather see Captain Scarlet? Oh, I think I'd rather see Captain Scarlet. Mainly on the basis of, like, the expanded universe and being able to kind of have a crossover with Power Rangers, not Power Rangers, sorry, um, Thunderbirds and stuff. I do love Thunderbirds. I feel like I owe it to Captain Scarlet to have him on the list. And Jerry Anderson. So we, uh, a band I was in once did a gig and we came onto the stage to the Thunderbirds theme tune. Very nice. So we had five, four, all the way down to one and then went straight into the first song. It was one of the best things I've ever done. I didn't know you um, were busted. Hey! I, I, we would need, uh, again, we would need the acoustic slowed down cover of Thunderbirds. Yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, the acoustic slowed down version of Thomas the Tank Engine would be fantastic. Do, 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 <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> Sorry, I got, I got probably caught up in that. So, as it often does, it comes down to Thomas the Tank Engine or the Mighty Morphin Power of Rangers. <laughs> so, we're going... So, I, I am going to go for the grittier look, kind of the similar to the bootleg universe style. So the grittier look at what the Power Rangers are, why they were chosen, mm-hmm. child soldiery approach, um, with raid-like kung fu violence, and then a monster to be named later. What about society? Am I right, Am I right Graham? So it's gritty war Power Rangers or kitchen sink drama about trains. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have, I have undersold that gritty kitchen sink drama about a maniac authoritarian ruler of a small island off the coast of the UK who is tricking these trains into thinking the world has ended and bricking them up when they disagree with him and don't want to get their paint fucked up. Yeah, it's weirdly a tough one. <laughs> so would you would you would you rather see a giant robot fight a giant monster or a train cry? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i think it really comes down to there's just i don't know there's something about this thomas the tank engine thing especially from reading through that article and watching the sad story of henry that is just kind of stuck with me <laughs> i can't shake it you know what fuck it it's thomas the tank engine <laughs> we're we're going thomas the tank engine just just because i feel a feature-length adaptation of that episode <laughs> not not even trying to make it violent or anything like that or add swearing would end up being R-rated because that is fucking horrifying. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, so I will... Okay, so we're going... So it's Captain Scarlet, Nightmare, Thomas the Tank Engine. What are we saying about order? What would you prefer? Virtually indestructible Captain Scarlet? Fantasy the Raid? I think we go... I think Captain Scarlet... Because of the potential for uh, the Jerry Anderson verse, yeah, which I think there's, I genuinely think there's a lot. Even if it, no, I think it would have to be R-rated, but it, yeah, I think there's just there's a lot of potential there. R-rated Stingray as well. Yeah, Stingray was very good. Then Nightmare. Then the the terrifying world of of Sir Topham Hat and his trains. Yeah, that episode can really quite violently go fuck itself <laughs> so right so the final top three then for the podcast nobody asked for's 
list of the kids TV shows that need an R-rated movie. Number three, we have Thomas the Tank Engine. Two, we have Nightmare. And number one, we have Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, brackets, the wider Jerry Anderson universe, close brackets. So if you agree with us, there's I know there is a lot of great ones we possibly could have missed off the list um, because basically any of the Nickelodeon things, yeah, <laughs> anything if you want it to turn into a horror movie can really be turned into a horror movie. There was also, um, did you ever watch Round the Twist? That was weird. That was oh, that was the the lighthouse one. Yeah, right? I think it's Australian, but it was so fucking trippy. Like that. You that's... know, you know, I, you know, I applied to go to that Swedish film festival where you stay in a lighthouse by yourself for a week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard back from them yet. But that's something. If I if I'm gonna hear back, it's gonna be by the end of this week. So nice. if we don't have an episode after this one, assume I'm on an island in a lighthouse. But yeah, round the twist could just be it would just be an Australian the lighthouse, right? Yeah. We'd do it all in black and white. There'd be a seagull. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so if you if you agree with our choices, if there's something you think would have been better, you can find us on Instagram at podcast nobody asked for. And if you want to have an in-depth discussion about the the politics of Thomas the Tank Engine, hit us up on Twitter at nobody asked for pod number four. And you can find us on Facebook at the same address. And on Apple Podcasts, rate us and post a review of what episodes you think we should do. And we will try to do the best ones. So I'm going to go off and watch uh, Train Slowly Die. (laughs) I'm going to listen to some Thomas the Dank Engine whilst you do that. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So, uh, sorry. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Down, 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 down. for this.